Let us pray. Our Father, we bow to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We thank you for your kindness to us in these days. We thank you for providing a great salvation, for calling us together today. Father, may our time be well spent as we look into your word. Would you cause us to understand what we read? Would you quicken us by your spirit that dwells in us? Father, we're mindful of these who are apart from us. We commit them to your care and keeping and ask for their restoration. Father, would you work in us those things that we stand in need of, giving us wisdom day by day, that we might order our steps pleasing to you, that we might have a word suitable to say to every one that asketh a reason for the hope that sent us. These mercies we plead in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Our lesson today continues in the 10th Psalm. Psalm 10, we'll begin reading in the first verse. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, in the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand. Forget not the humble. That's probably as far as we'll get today. 
we talked about the <clears throat> pleadings here of the oppressed. Here it is as if he, uh, he comes before the tribunal and charges the wicked on two counts. One, pride, and the other, tyranny. And we saw in the second verse, he, uh, he lays out the charges. Pride, and then persecuting the poor, or tyranny. And then he goes to uh, the marshalling of evidences. <coughs> in verse 3, the indictment having been read and the petition presented, the evidence is now heard upon the first count, that is, pride. He, he, he here bears witness to his boasting. He boasts of the villainy of his heart, which ought to be his shame. But this is the delusion of the wicked. Paul, in writing to the Philippian Christians, said, there are some who call themselves Christians, who give no evidence that this is the case. Philippians 3, verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now, you do not have to imagine long to think about people who brag, boast about things that if they happened in your life, you would not tell it, you would be ashamed of it. And yet they're proud. They did this and this and they got by with it. Or they did this and this that was unjust and made a significant profit. So there is boasting. The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire. And his heart's desire is the oppression of the poor. <clears throat> Pride meets covetousness and compliments him on his wisdom, thrift, Prudence, accomplishments. Now, many a covetous man may accumulate goods at the expense of the poor and the needy. And the sad thing, James says, is frequently he is well received 
in the churches. James 2, 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges with evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him, but you have despised the poor. He goes on in the fifth chapter, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. A strong indictment against these who accumulate goods at the expense of the poor and needy. Verse 4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. Proud hearts breed proud looks and stiff knees that is knees which will not bow to God but what does God think about the proud heart and the proud looks in the sixth chapter of Proverbs verse 16 these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. In the first, first place, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, 
a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Things that the Lord hates, abominates. Notice the effect of pride. It keeps a man from seeking after God. God is not in all his thoughts. He does his thing. He credits himself. He does not consider that there were other possibilities and probabilities that might have been. When I read about the successful farmer in the 12th chapter of Luke, Luke 12, verse 16, Jesus spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then he gives the moral of the story. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, I will point out to you a thing that has been said here before. This man was not a fool because he couldn't figure out how to farm. He was a successful farmer, and successful farming does not come by playing the fool. But God was not in all his thoughts. There was nothing wrong with having a successful crop, a good year. There was nothing wrong about building new barns. But when he said, So take thine ease, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, eat, drink, and be merry. In his figuring, apart from and without God, he was a fool. He laid up treasure for himself. And this, in this he was wrong. He was not rich toward God. Now James has much the same thing. In James 4, verse 13, go to now. Ye that say, Today 
or tomorrow, I will go into such a village and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Now, what's wrong with merchandise? Well, the problem, James says, is whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while, a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. In our ordering of our course, we need to remember this. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. We ought not to be with the wicked. God ought to be in all of our thoughts. And... uh, Consequently, we say, if the Lord will, we shall do this or that. He's proud, and pride unmasked is insolence. And here the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. He uh, presumes to have a different opinion than the judge of all the earth. The Lord abhorreth the covetous. He admires them. In the third chapter of Malachi, verse 4, you have said, it is vain to serve the Lord. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they, they that tempt God are even delivered. Looking at the situation through natural eyes, it did not look to them like the saints were getting ahead. In the 49th Psalm, verse 18, the death of the wicked is described when he dies he shall carry nothing away his glory shall not descend after him though while he lived he blessed his soul and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself 
did you, did you hear what the psalmist said? Men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. But <clears throat> there is coming a day of reckoning, and then all of these things will be changed out. In verse 5, his ways are always grievous both to himself and to those about him. <clears throat> Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. Since God is not in all his thoughts, so God's judgments and God's righteousness are forgotten. And so, for his enemies, he defies and domineers, he sneers and threatens. And this is not the wisdom that is from above. You remember James describes the wisdom that's from above in some terms that would not win the popularity contest among mortals. James 3:17 The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. <clears throat> Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to talk to, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. <clears throat> As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. But that will last only on the contemporary scene. Death is not to be intimidated, and there will be no boasting in the tomb. In verse 6, we hear another witness who tells about the pride of the oppressor. He hath said in his heart, I shall not be moved, or I shall never be in adversity. He has resources. He has contingency plans. He is independent. And in his heart, he has deceived himself. I do not need God.
Now, some of our uh, <clears throat> technologically advanced farmers in the West have talked about they do not need to pray for rain. They do not need to pray for a good crop. They have irrigation systems. They have efficient pesticides, etc., etc. Doesn't that give you a chill? They have figured they are secure. They have no need of God. And here, we have put into words what the man has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. This is really an impertinence. He considers himself immutable and omnipotent. Reminiscent of Babylon the Great, I read in Revelation 18, verse 7, of a, the last great world power, how much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously or luxuriously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I said a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore <coughs> shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. This was the pride of Esau. We're told about in the prophecy of Obadiah. <clears throat> Vision of Obadiah concerning Edom. God said, Behold, I have made thee small among the nations. Thou art greatly despised. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. Thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, Who shall bring me down to the ground? Though thou exalt thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. And he's able. This is not an idle boast. We need to learn from some of these Examples that are given us. This man says, 
I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. He built his house upon the sand. It was a beautiful house. He was proud of his house. But when the rains descend, the floods come, it will fall. So the first count, that is pride, has been proved. And we move on to the second charge of tyranny. Tyranny naturally follows pride. Haman was proud. And so he lorded it over Mordecai and thought that he would accomplish the slaughter of all of the Jews throughout the kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar was proud. And in his pride, he built his tall image and commanded all to bow before it. And when they did not, he heated his furnace seven times hotter than it was accustomed to be heated. Verse 7, his mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Cursing against men and against God. Deceit with which he entraps the unwary or less than cautious ones and fraud by which even in his common dealings he robs his neighbor. And the picture here is like a serpent, like a snake. Under his tongue are the raw materials for building up more of these, more cursing and deceit and fraud. Mischief and vanity. <coughs> In verse 8, despite his boasting, he really is a coward. Doing his worst deeds in secret, plotting, planning, lying in wait. in the secret places, murdering the innocent, privily set against the poor. There are always evil men lying in wait for the saints. Everywhere there are traps set for us. It was so with our Lord always a group listening for something that he might say that they could use against him. But he quoted God's word to them and put them to silence. We need to be so armed. This is why you need to commit to memory some passages from God's word so that when they come to you, 
with their clever questions. You can say, God's word says this and this and this. In verse 9, he lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He has catch the poor when he draweth them into his net. The, the figure here is like a lion with its stealthiness. And then the hunter who does his work of concealment and camouflage 